Turn in your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. We often say that, you know, smiles and joy is contagious. Enthusiasm is contagious. But also, complaining is contagious. Did you know that? Did you know that you can influence somebody by complaining? You sure can. And you ought to see what God has to say about it. Now, I know nobody here is guilty of this, but we need to cover it so that you'll be able to help those other people that do these things. So, uh, Romans in chapter 15, look there in verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. Now, I want you to think uh, about that just for a second. If it was a reference to the Old Testament that was written before, the Lord here in the New Testament is putting his stamp of approval upon the Old Testament and saying that the things that were written before are things that you and I are supposed to learn. And if it was written for our learning, then evidently we're supposed to read it. Right? So that means that we ought to read the Old Testament to learn from it the lessons that God has for us. And then he says here that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Comfort and patience. Did you know that most of our complaining is because we don't have patience or comfort? And we complain. Something's not on schedule. Something's not causing me to be comforted. So here in the Bible it says, the things in the Old Testament were written for our admonition. So if it was written, it must be true. And if it's for our learning, it must be read. So we're going to look at a few of those things. But look there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. To save a little time, don't have to look there. Just look at the last part of the verse that I have out there. In everything, do what? Give thanks. Some things are not as easy as others. I can handle those big monumental things. It's these little things that kind of gets in my way, you know, as we walk along. But I want you to read what I have written under here. Everybody hates it. But everybody does it. The Bible commands us to be thankful. First, because God deserves our gratitude. Second, gratitude is the only way for us to be happy. Gratitude is a choice, an act of the will to obey God. It is an impossibility for an ungrateful, complaining person to be happy. It is just as impossible for a thankful, praising Christian to be miserable. So, um, I think we have to work on our consistency, a consistent praising Christian. Look at number one. All complaining is sin. And regardless of what we call it, it's still wrong. Complaining is sinful. Look in Philippians in chapter 2. The book of Philippians in chapter 2. And look in verse 14. You ought to underline this verse in your Bible. Do all things by murmuring and disputing. Do all things without it. 
without. Well, what about just a little bit? <laughs> without murmuring and disputing. And uh, which actually is just complaining and arguing. We're supposed to. Uh, did you know that when you read the Bible, especially when you have to teach it, uh, especially if you're the preacher, because you know you're supposed to practice what you preach. Ugh. You know, that might be why some preachers never preach on certain subjects because they don't want to have to apply it. But what I try to do is whatever I'm facing, I figured that you're not much different than I am. So whatever I need, I figure you need that. You need that. So that's why whenever I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself also because I know it's things that I need. And it's the closest thing to my heart. There are lessons that we all have to learn. And some are easier than others, but uh, we still have to learn them. And so um, I want you to take now your Bible and go with me back to the Old Testament and go to the book of Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. And you may want to hold your place in the book of Exodus because there's a, a few places that we'll be looking at here. But you remember not long ago I preached a sermon from Exodus chapter 13, 14, and 15 about, you know, the dead end, the dry holes, and um, uh, the detours. Anybody remember that sermon? Oh, that's great. Not a soul in here remembers the sermon. I want to preach it again. But anyway, here in the book of Exodus and chapter 14, look there in verse 10. Exodus 14 and verse 10. We know that the children of Israel had been complaining to God because of the taskmasters, uh, because they were slaves. And you'll be surprised how quickly their attitude can change. And they wanted God to deliver them, so God sent Moses. So he says in verse 10, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Why did you do this? Look what you've done to us. Did they not remember how bad it was? And now... They complained when they were in Egypt, and now that they're out of Egypt, what are they still doing? Still complaining. Did you know if you'll complain about a few things, you're just liable to complain about a lot of things. It can become part of your character. And so he said in verse 12, Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, O they did, that we may serve the Egyptians, for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians, then that we should die in the wilderness. Now, you think that you have problems. How would you like to be a man like Moses with 200 whining Israelites in the desert? I'd have just left him one night and kept on a walking. <laughs> but they complained. Nothing was right, only because they were afraid. See, they were afraid. They couldn't see how God was going to do it, so they didn't have the patience that they needed didn't have the patience. They didn't have comfort because you'll find that 
They had one complaint after another. Look in Exodus in chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. And look in verse 23. In Exodus chapter 20, uh, uh, 15 and verse 23, And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people, and here's that word, you ought to underline it in your Bible, murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Uh, this is one of those dry holes that I was telling you about. When they came to the Red Sea, that was one of their detours in a, a dead end. But the Lord is the one that led them to these things, and He was testing them over and over and over again. And every time God tested them, they would complain about it. So remember, complaining is contagious. And it only takes a, two bullfrogs in a lake to sound like a hundred of them. Have you ever heard somebody, well, everybody in the church hates me? It's probably only two of them. And one of them's your relative. It's not everybody, but it sounds like everybody. Have you ever walked into a place and feel, everybody's staring at me? The world, everybody's staring at me. No, everybody isn't staring at you. Everybody don't care what goes on in your life, believe it or not. Everybody's not against you. Maybe a few, but not everybody. But it's when you get in a bad attitude, you don't see the things that you ought to see. And so you don't say the things that you ought to say. But look what he says in verse 24. And the people murmured against Moses and what shall we drink? And then look what he says. Uh, in verse 25, and he cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance and there he Prove them. See, it was a testing to see what does it take to cause you to lose your cool? What does it cost, uh, take to cause you to blow your temper? You know, to say and do things. What is that test? Now, God doesn't tempt you to sin, but God does test His children. Uh, look here in chapter 16. Uh, look in verse 1. And they took their journey from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel, and there's, there's that word, you ought to underline that word. Now, this is written for a reason. And God says, you go back and you read, because it's true, for our learning. So there's things you're supposed to learn from the Old Testament Scriptures. And he says, They murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full, for we have... For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. You see, they were complaining about the water right before that. Now they're complaining about the food. Did you know that once you start complaining, it becomes a habit in your life, and you just keep on complaining? And that's why nobody can make you happy, and you'll never be satisfied, because, you see, it becomes part of your character. 
And because you're, you're not grateful to the Lord, and you're not thankful to the Lord, and you're not praising the Lord, and so you focus upon anything that goes against your comfort and causes you to be impatient. Romans chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. So these things are written to us to learn a little bit from them, but uh, now they, 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 they were hungry. And so, of course, the Lord, he took care of that and gave them something to eat. But look in verse 7. And in the morning, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth, he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. So there's a God in heaven that sees and hears all of our complaining, our arguing with God or of God's people. Because we're not satisfied, we're not content with that which we have. And so, therefore, these complaining things is a dead giveaway that somewhere along the line, you're not walking with the Lord as close as you ought to. You're worried about something. You're afraid of something. Something is stopping you, short-circuiting what you want or your pleasure or your peace of mind, your comfort, and, and you don't like it. So we complain about that. And so a lot of people live in a constant state of complaining and murmuring and whining. Ooh, this hurts tonight. Now, look there at uh, number two. To understand that all complaining is against God. Because as it says in verse 7, For he that heareth your murmurs against the Lord, and what are we that we murmur against us? Or that you murmur against us? And Moses, amen. What a person and what he had to put up with. Do you know because of all their murmuring, complaining, and they were never satisfied, the day came when he struck the rock twice, and because of that, he lost his cool, and he wasn't able to go into the promised land. God let him see it from atop Mount Nebo, but he wouldn't let him enter it because he, he lost it. He lost it. And he just got fed up. Well, am I glad that doesn't happen to any of us. And you say and do things that you should not do. So that was the, the fourth complaint. See, Israel lacked water the second time. It says, strike the rock, and that was a type of Christ. But he was to strike the rock only one time. Because that's a picture of Christ's crucifixion. The next time, he was just to speak to the rock. But he struck it again, and that was wrong. Because it broke the type. That was not to be done. Look at number five, I guess you could say, Israel's fifth complaint. Exodus chapter 32. Look over there at Exodus chapter 32. Exodus 32 and look in verse 1. Moses had gone up on a mountain. Uh, while he was up there, him and God, he was talking to the Lord, you know. But the people thought he'd been gone a long time. So what do you do when you get tired of waiting? You take matters into your own hand. I remember somebody like that with Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. Didn't they wind up regretting that? Didn't they cause trouble? Are we still having trouble because of that today? Just look at the trouble in the world today because of Sarah's suggestion. But we're supposed to have respect for that woman, and so I will. Now, here in chapter 32, when the people saw that Moses delayed, delayed to come down. What do you mean? He didn't delay. God wasn't finished with him yet. 
When he came down the mountain, did you know he came down right on schedule? He came down at the right time. But you know why he came down when he did? Because God said, hey, uh, Moses, he says, uh, you know what the people are doing down there? They're partying. In other words, he's supposed to go down there with the Ten Commandments, and they didn't broke all of them. They were in the midst of it. So when he got down there, he said, I'll break them too. Boom. And God had to go make another set for him. But it says, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what in the world become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives and of your sons and of your daughters. And don't forget to get the rings out of your nose. Well, I just threw that in there. So. Verse 3, And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graven tool after he had made it a molded calf. Remember now, later on, he says, The people made me do this. And he's the one that told him, So you tell them, get all, go get all the gold. So, okay. Aaron told them to do that. But of course, we'll just move right along. Verse 4, And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graven tool after he had made it a golden calf or molded calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and says, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Well, I think you'll find out that uh, that's probably more than just rising up to play. In the New Testament, it was because of sex caused a lot of trouble. They were wicked. They did wickedly. In verse 7, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. <laughs> look, at, look at this again. I want you to see this. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land. Wait a minute now. It was God's. Now it's Moses. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have had a problem with this. Lord, you sent me, you told me, and God's up there saying, Look at your people, look what they're doing down there. I, I think even God was upset. And he was upset. And God brought judgment. God took care of the situation that he did. Look at number three. All complaining is addictive. It's addictive. Look in Numbers chapter 11. Numbers and chapter 11. I want you to know and understand that it's not a light thing to be a complainer, a person who murmurs and argues all the time. I don't think it's wise for the wife to argue with her husband or for the husband to always argue with the wife. I don't think it's always wise for the children to argue with their parents or to be arguing with your boss and all. always arguing, arguing, or always complaining about everything, whining about everything. Nothing's ever right. It's not wise. In, in a lot of times, we don't see it that bad or we don't believe, well, you know, it's just me. And surely he's not going to look at me the same way he does everybody else. If it's wrong for Moses to do it, wrong for the children of Israel to do it, 
would it be wrong for you and I to do it? I think he said, do all things without murmuring and complaining. Why would he have to say something like that? Because it could be possible that a lot of God's children do a lot of murmuring and complaining. Is it possible? Sure, I'm glad there's nobody like that here. But in the book of uh, Numbers in chapter 11, I want you to look here in verse 1. In verse 1. In verse 1, it says, And when the people did what? You ought to underline that. It displeased the Lord. So if it displeased the Lord because they did it, well, shouldn't it displease the Lord if you and I do it? And he says, And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them, which were in the uttermost part of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. So, yes, there was a, there was a problem. Now, and also in this scripture, you see that all complaining is contagious. Look here in your notes. All complaining is contagious. It means it affects other people. It's just not something that you do, and it's just you. It affects other people's lives. Doesn't the Bible say something about edify one another, exhorting one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another? Complaining does not do any of those things. It doesn't do any of those things that God tells us to do for one another. It's just the opposite. It is destructive. It is destructive. Did you know you can complain about something and somebody else who had no problem with it can begin to complain just because you complain? And the more you complain, the more people complain. And next thing you know, you could have a whole army. And you know you're right because look how many people agree with my complaining. Yeah, but is that what God wants? Is there a better way to handle a problem? See, the best way to handle a problem is to tell only those that are part of the solution to the problem. And it'll help you. In verse 4, and the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onion and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. See, God even gave them angel food. I guess they thought it was devil food. He gave them angel food. And now they're complaining about that. But you know, whatever that angel food was made out of, it must have had everything. It must have been a health bar. It had everything in it that they needed to sustain themselves. And they complained about it. And it's like there's no end to this. And they just went. But you know, all this complaining, do you know where they were when they were doing all this complaining? In the wilderness. And most Christians, that's where they live, in the wilderness. See, the land of Canaan is not a, a type really of heaven. It's a, it's a place of victory in the Christian life, or supposed to be. So we are um, God's children. And to go from childhood to adulthood, uh, we have to go sometimes through the wilderness. And so most people never get out of the wilderness. They stay there their whole lives and wander, accomplish nothing, 
get nowhere, just going in circles and just whining and complaining all the days of their life. And one day you're going to get old and you're going to look back and says, what have I done for the Lord? What have I actually done for the Lord? Could God use me? Oh, he can. But look there in verse 12. Have I conceived all this people? <laughs> have I begotten them that thou should have said unto me, carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father beareth the sucking child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers? In verse 14, I am not able to bear all this people alone. It's too heavy for me. But if thou deal thus with me, I'd rather you just go ahead and take my life right now. I'd rather die. In other words, it seemed like Moses just about had, had enough. Did you know that you can discourage a lot of people? Let me tell you this, and this is just the truth. I get a chance to, and I've done it a lot of it, traveling around the country, sitting down with a lot of preachers and having a cup of coffee. And you know, a lot of preachers have become very discouraged and very depressed. And a lot of them have just quit the ministry. You know why? Because the people in their church complained all the time. Never happy, never satisfied. All they did was whine. It didn't matter what the preacher preached. It was never the right thing. They found fault with everything that he said and does. And so most of them just get discouraged. They get depressed. Did you know that you can do that to the preacher as well as the preacher can do it to you? But every one of us need encouragement. Did you know just by a few of you saying, Preacher, I enjoyed that sermon last week or today or whenever. Do you know that that makes me feel a little bit good? Let's me think that, you know, maybe you got something out of it. Because we want to be a blessing. You know, preachers want to be a blessing to people. They want to help people. They want to encourage people. I think we want that, but also y'all need that. Y'all need a little, you know, praise here and there. They said that, you know, flattery will get you nowhere. It will too. <laughs> but it ought to be honest and genuine compliments and not just made up flattery for, you know, trying to make somebody feel good when they know that um, you're not real and sincere. It ought to be genuine. But he says here, I would rather you let me die than to see my wretchedness in that verse. So important. Uh, the, the next one I want you to look at is Numbers in chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. Well, this one is um, about people who affect other people. It can even happen in your own family. Uh, even Jesus had uh, some of his own family who did not believe until the end. So he had to go through this. But look there in verse 1. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. In other words, somebody didn't even like his wife. And there's a good possibility she was a black woman. And people began to complain. Well, evidently God was not in favor of their complaining. So God had to deal with in his own family. And this is sometimes where it can really hurt too. You know, you can be wanting to serve the Lord, but doesn't mean everybody in your family will accept that or appreciate that. So you've got to go through that. But see, what they were saying and doing was, was wrong against Moses. 
And so Miriam, God struck her down with leprosy. And Aaron intervened on her behalf. Says, Lord, don't, 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 don't let her live like that, half alive and half dead. And so God said, well, shouldn't she at least, you know, for seven days? So seven days. But Mary had to, had to learn a, a hard lesson. But did she learn it totally? Well, she may have. But a lot of times people forget things. They repeat things. But Moses didn't want to have to say or do anything against them. But God spoke on his behalf. And he says, I want to have a word with you three. So he called them into the office and he had to meet with them. And God had to say, this is what I'm going to do. And I chose Moses. And people have to be careful of what they say about or against the man of God. Even if it's the family. I believe this. If you have a husband who loves the Lord and wants to serve the Lord, you better be very careful of saying anything against your husband. You know, God can chasten you. And I think the children need to be very careful of saying things against their mom and dad. If they've got a mom and dad who loves them and trying to do what's right, and kids are just rebellious, there's a price they're going to pay. God won't let that ride. In every situation... If you've got a godly wife, you better treat her right. Because, you see, God could chasten you because you don't honor her, because she honors Him. If a person is honoring the Lord, God says, I will honor him if he served me. The book of John chapter 12. So always try to remember that and do right. The next thing I want you to see here is in Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. And in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 31, you know that they had sent the spies into the land. And there was two of them that says, we can do this. And Caleb, 85 years old, when after the 40 years were passed, he says, I want that mountain. Remember that little chorus I sung one time for you? Where Caleb, maybe he sung it first time. He says, I want that mountain. I want that mountain. Um, where the grapes of Esco grow. La da dee 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 dee. I want that mountain. Something like that. But it's a good little course. And I thought, he was a man that was 85 years old. And he was still ready to fight. He still had a little fire in the gut. But he believed God. He trusted God. He believed that God says we can take that land. And he believed we can take it. But look at verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Well able to overcome it. Why? Because he believed what God said. Well, look what the people said. The other one, 31. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than us. See, they were looking at their strength, and Caleb was looking at God's strength. And if God gave us that land and God said, uh, then he believed it. But there's always somebody that can say things in such a way that cause people to turn against something. You know what I've wondered over the years? This is a little reminiscent, and I do a lot of that lately. I've often wondered what could have been done in the Lord's work if all of God's people hadn't listened to so much gossip 
and just kept working and been faithful. What we could do for the Lord if all of God's people really worked together. I, I thought so many of God's people get down and discouraged and they complain and nothing's ever right and so the, the least little thing hurts their feeling and they're gone and they go down to another church and they'll split a church and they go over there and they split that church because they're never satisfied. And they want to, anytime a person comes up to me and says, Preacher, I think you've got too much power. What they mean is they want some. And if they had it, what would they do with it? I've seen people do a great job in serving the Lord until you give them a position of leadership and then they can't handle it. Because power goes to their head. There's something about power. Some people can't handle it. They can't handle the responsibility. Remember, the person that's on the place of leadership, all you're doing is you're serving people. None of y'all in this room serve me. I serve you. I'm your servant. I'm here to help feed you, to lead you, to guide you. I'll do whatever needs to be done for you. But you don't have to do that for me. And any time we put people in place of leadership, it's because they're servants. They're not lords over you and dictators. And No, they're trying to help these teenagers. They're trying to help the kids. They're trying to help teachers. We're trying to make it possible for people to serve the Lord. God says, now in the world, it's not that way. But in God's work, that's the way it is. It's the way it ought to be. So, chapter 14, things really got ugly. And look there in verse 1 of chapter 14. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Well, why are they crying? Lifting up their voice. Why? The whole con- Why? Because they listened to ten people complain. Ten people. And so, maybe two million people wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Why? Because of the complaining of just a few people. And the people listen to them. So whenever you become a consistent complainer, it won't be on just one issue. You'll find another one, and then another one, and then another one. And you, a person who complains, listen, a person who complains to you, you stop them. Say, so I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Because you could be the person who is destroyed because you listen to what somebody else complains about. If they want to complain about somebody, look, you go see that person. You talk to that individual. You got a problem with me or him or anybody? You go see that person and maybe you can win them and become a friend. Wouldn't that be better? And you can win people. And if you're wrong, maybe you can correct the problem. But see, whenever people just complain when you're not a problem or a solution to the problem, then you wonder, why would you tell me this? You question your mind, why would you tell me that? Why would you gossip about somebody? A person who will gossip about somebody to you will do what? Gossip about you. So always remember that. And so uh, they go down through here and you know the story. They didn't get to go into the land. Why? Because of murmuring. See there in verse 2? And all the children of Israel, and here's that word, you ought to underline, murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And then they said it again. Would to God we had died in the land of Egypt. No, they said that when they got to the Red Sea. 
Would to God we had died in the wilderness. They said that at the Red Sea. They said that when they didn't have any water. They said that again when they didn't have any food. Now they're saying it again. Because see, the story stays the same. It's just that the, the problems change. But see, the heart hasn't changed. They haven't grown in the Lord. They're not closer to the Lord. They haven't learned any patience. They're not comforted at all. They haven't got closer to the Lord and strong in the Lord. And if you are complaining today, did you realize that you'll be a complainer tomorrow? And you'll be a complainer the next time. And if you're always complaining about your wife today, you're going to be complaining about her next week. Five years from now, unless something happens to you. You say, well, if my wife... Ch-. No, no, it has nothing to do with your wife. It has nothing to do with your wife. It has nothing to do with your husband. It's on the inside of you. It's how God says you're supposed to be. Not circumstances doesn't justify it. You can't... Well, well I'm mad because... Either you have self-discipline or you don't. Either you have the patience or you don't. If God says do all things without it, unless she really made you mad. Unless he really went on. No. Do all things without murmuring and complaining. I think that's what the Bible says. So in chapter 16 of the book of Numbers, I want you to see that it is mentioned on the 10th complaint that somebody else had a problem. And they said, well, who in the world does Moses think he has taken upon himself this power? Who made him the prince anyway? I mean, we could be the leaders too. And so there were some who turned 250 of the princes against the Lord, and against Moses. So God says, okay, I'll deal with this situation. He says, if they die the normal death, he says, and I didn't judge them, but God says, if they die an unnatural death, I did it. So God says, separate yourselves from them. See there in verse 21? Separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And verse 30, But if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up, and all that appertain to them, and they go down quick into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. You see, they took a stand against God's man, but it provoked the Lord. I've lived close to 50 years in the ministry, almost that long. And let me just mention this to you. Be very careful of saying anything against this preacher. If I am God's man, and I am a good man, and I am a godly man, if I am a holy man, and if I am doing what I believe God wants me to do, and I don't teach anything that's illegal or immoral or fattening, then maybe you need to listen to what I'm having to say. But if you'll cut and criticize me, I believe, from my knowledge of this book, God's going to beat the tar out of you. And I don't say that lightly. I mean it seriously. I have watched long enough to know 
that you don't play around with what God says in His Word. This is serious business. And that's why I have to make sure I don't treat you in a way that's not right. I am not to be a respecter of persons. I want to treat a teenager that comes to ranch with the same dignity and with the same respect I'll treat an adult in this ministry. The deacons, everybody in this ministry, you're just as important as everybody. Because you're a child of God. And I have to give an account to God for the way I treat you. And for the example that I am to you. But I also want you to know there's another side to this thing here. And God says, I'm going to deal with them. And you know what God did? He just opened up the earth and they went to hell with their boots on. He said, is that really what happened? <laughs> yeah. See that in verse 33? They and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed upon them. <laughs> Problem solved. They didn't do that anymore. You see, there's a lot of things God can do. But when you start challenging what God hath done, and God will defend His own people. I trust the Lord to protect me, to lead me, to guide me, to defend me if it needs to be. If God lets me die, so be it. If it lets me live, so be it. Now, all complaining, look at the last number. All complaining brings the chastening hand of God. Do you believe that? I believe that. I want to close with this verse. Look there in the book of Hebrews and chapter 12. Hebrews and chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And look at verse 11. Because we're talking about a child of God, not murmuring and complaining, because in reality, it's against God. Because, see, God is the one who permits certain things to come into your life. God is the one that's in heaven that uses what people say and do, circumstances, in order to test your love for Him. So whenever you come unglued because of it, it's against the one who permitted it. And that's God. So that's why God takes it personally. And that means that if that is true, then there must be a God in heaven that's watching everything we say and do and how we respond to everything in life. So he says in verse 11, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees... In other words, these are things that happens to a person who's down and discouraged and depressed. And it usually shows in their life. He says in verse 13, And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. In other words, somebody else who's following your example. And because of what you say and what you do and your attitude and your constant complaining, you know you cause everybody else to complain. They become bitter because you're bitter. But you, they, you're upset, so they get upset. So you have to be careful and watch that. So he says in verse 14, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Now look in verse 15. Looking diligently means watching, guarding yourself at all times. Lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any, get this, any root of bitterness springing up 
trouble you. And if it troubles you, guess what? Thereby many become defiled. Because see, you can't keep it to yourself. When you get hurt and mad and bitter, you've got to tell somebody, and you will. And generally, you probably will tell the ones that's the closest to you and hurt them, damage them. You'll take your garbage and dump it into their mind. Would you like people to take and bring all their trash around the neighborhood and come to your house and dump it in your yard? Because it will breed germs. And that's what sometimes people do to each other, but they don't know they're doing that. So you want to be very careful that you are not spreading things that don't need to be spread. Because, see, murmuring, complaining, contagious. It's contagious. It causes other people not to trust the Lord, not to grow, not to mature. But in all things, we're supposed to edify one another, to encourage, to build them up. These are some things that will tear you down and others down. And you and I are supposed to want and desire the best for everybody else. You that know Christ is your Savior, you know you're God's child. I know that there's sometimes it's so easy, and I hitch myself also, and sometimes I'm, I complain a lot. And I know that it's wrong. I know I shouldn't do it. And I say these things because if it helps me, I know it's going to help you. We need to see it as bad as what God does. And this takes some time to grow and to mature. Be patient with others that haven't reached that stage yet. Not everybody understands all at the same time. And when somebody does get a little angry or upset, just forgive them. Just forgive them. Don't jump on them and kick them and try to beat them down because you don't do it. So be wise. Be considerate. Love each other. Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. We're thankful for this time together, for the study of your word. We ask your blessings on each one here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.